Hey, Michael here. Uh, you will now hear uh, some episodes of the Michael Girdley show that we had branded differently uh, called Unusual Profits or some such like that. Same show, same person, just me interviewing people and producing content that could be helpful on your journey and mine as well. So uh, with no further ado, here's the episode. Hey, Michael here. Uh, sponsor for today's show is actually uh, a product that I'm a part of called DM Bridge. Uh, and what DM Bridge is, uh, is a service that we built uh, to solve the problem that Twitter's direct messaging functionality is a total mess. So we built DM Bridge to help you fix that. Um, a lot of the other solutions uh, do things like requiring you to install a whole nother inbox. We didn't want another inbox, so we created DM Bridge. And what it does is it takes all of your Twitter DMs and has them appear inside of your email inbox. So you can reply to them just like it's a regular email. You see them just like it's a regular email. You can search them later like it's one of your regular emails, all just by using DM Bridge. So uh, we're currently live with the product. I uh, would love for you to sign up and become a customer. Uh, and check it out. So you can find that at dmbridge.app uh, and go on there, put in your name uh, and be either part of the beta or join us as part of the live use of the product. And again, check it out, dmbridge.app. All right, welcome to the Unusual Profits podcast. I am your host, Michael Girdley. This is a podcast where I spend some time each week with a person operating and very knowledgeable in an unusual market or an interesting industry. So today I am joined by Drew Rosner, who is a domain broker uh, and has been in the domain brokerage business, I guess, for a dozen years now, Drew? Yeah, the actual brokerage business, uh, 13 years, 2008, we started the brokerage uh, side of the business. But I've been sort of in the domain game um, 20 three, 24 years now. Holy cow. Uh, and you're you're dialing in live from Lisbon, Portugal, which wins the award so far for the furthest away from me guest. So uh, <laughs> hopefully there won't be too much of a lag from Texas to, to Portugal, which is beautiful. Um, Pretty good let, pipes. <laughs> at the internet, it's magical. It's the pipes that come together. Yep. Well, I think we'd love to get started with how, you know, how, how did your journey reach up to being and doing what you are today? So you said you've been doing this for a long time. How did you get into the domain name brokerage business? So, um, you know, in college, I had studied database information systems and uh, database design, basically. And, uh, you know, this was at the emergence of the consumer internet, mid-90s, late-90s. And, um, you know, obviously, we were learning about the the, the internet in conjunction. And, um, you know, I, I'm hyperactive and, and very curious. And so, you know, every time I had an idea, I thought, oh, I'm going to get a domain for that. And so, you know, it wasn't on speculation. It was just that I just had ideas and I thought I'm going to register a domain for that. And I just started sort of accumulating them because, you know, as one does, you only execute on maybe one out of every, you know, 10,000 ideas that you have. So thankfully, <laughs> but, um, you know, that was pretty much how I started. And then it was actually after the dot-com bust that I, that I realized these things started ha- you know, to have value. And at that point, I was sort of third wave into this game. And um, and so, you know, it wasn't that you just go register these things for the most part. You had to buy them in the secondary market. And so um, as I started exploring that secondary market, which I, which I hadn't previously even known existed, um, I realized that it was a cash intensive business. So, you know, if you want to build a portfolio of, of, of valuable domain names, 
you you need cash. I mean, or, or you need cash flow in order to sustain you know that, that that acquisition strategy. And so I launched the domain brokerage business because I had been in sales my whole life. I'm very I've always been very comfortable with sales. And um, what I found was that there was nobody really doing outbound sales of these from this you know small pool of domain investors to the world at large of end users who could actually put these things to use. You know, as we say, the highest and uh, best use case for any given domain name. And so I took on the role of playing matchmaker between the domain investors who had all this inventory of phenomenal domain names and the end users who, whether they knew it or not, would benefit from owning these domain names. And so luckily I was extremely stupid and naive and, um, I just said, hey, why not? And I and I launched this business, which is today, MediaOptions.com. And it's gone through multiple iterations, but it's maintained that brand, which um, I, I don't even actually like my brand, but but it is, you know, it is what it is these days. But um, here we are later. And and it's been an if, incredibly effective strategy. And, and to this day, you know, we basically employ the same strategy, which is use the cash flow generated from brokering other people's domains or helping companies, uh, primarily startups, but also large companies launching new products and services to acquire their best domain name. So we, we help both the buy side or the, or the sell side, uh, never both. And um, we use that cash flow in order to acquire more domain names from the open market uh, for our owned and operated portfolio. Yeah, that's great. So it, today you're almost, you're almost a broker dealer to use kind of the investment banking parlance like where Goldman Sachs brokers investment banking products here, they're also running their own book of investments as well. So you're, you're kind of doing both, which sounds, sounds smart. <laughs> you know, uh, I think so. I've caught a lot of flack over the years for it, you know, but it, from my standpoint, I wouldn't change a thing. I think it gives us absolutely unequivocally the best insight uh, into the market. I think we've got a stronger pulse on the market than anybody else. None of our competitors are you know, putting their money where their mouth is. The bubble that they're in, in terms of market data, is going to be driven purely by their customers. And so that's always going to be limited and it's always going to be bias. You know, we are, you know, I was one of the largest, probably the largest owner of twoletter.coms, you know, in the world. Uh, you know, I've one of the largest owners of threeletter.coms in the world. We've got one of the most valuable domain portfolios in the world. And, you know, so when I'm speaking to somebody who has, a very valuable domain. You know, we really only work at the top of the market, top, I like to say the top 2%. And so when I'm speaking to somebody who has a very valuable domain name, they have an easier time, I think, to relate to me and I have an easier time to relate to them and their concerns and their wants and their needs, their expectations, because I'm holding many of those domains myself. I put my money into the market at risk, you know, in the same way. And so yeah, I think it gives us a really unique perspective on the market and, and certainly better. Um, and, and I think at this point, that's proven itself out. Well, so, and then uh, I'm thinking back on my history, I'm 46 and my history with domain names, you know, it seems like there was kind of the first phase of when domain names became a thing back in the early commercialization of the internet, like seventies and eighties where here and there were dot coms, but it wasn't much of a thing. And then the second phase felt like I remember in when the first internet boom happened, kind of in the early 90s, there was, you know, you would pay 300 bucks to um, 
Well, I guess who who is there was only one registrar back early on at that time. Yeah, it's network solutions. Network solutions. And that's I got gridley.com then. I've had it for 25 years. And evergreen.com was available back then for 300 bucks. Just like I remember being like, oh, who wants to own Evergreen? And now that's owned by my friend. That's owned by my friend Adam Strong, who is also a domain broker. Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I remember that's one specific. I was like, well, like, do I want to register girdly.com or evergreen.com? <laughs> I chose girdly.com. It's stupid. You definitely should have gotten evergreen.com. I can tell you. <laughs> I would be super. Yeah. I also should have bought Bitcoin and should have, should have done a lot of other stuff differently. Um, so that was kind of phase two where you would, you, there was a monopoly on buying domains and then kind of what happened, like around 2000, things started to change again. Cause that's when I remember my friends like day trading, basically day trading domains and stuff. Could I'd love your perspective <laughs> on the, on the. Yeah. On the I mean, I, day trading domains was tricky at that time. You know, the, the market was highly unliquid, illiquid. There, there's very few people in the world that actually knew what these things were worth. I, I would argue that today there's still, you know, less than one hand of uh, people who I would tell you really understand how to value a domain name. But um, it was starting to emerge in that time, in the early 2000s. But the day trading, or let's say the, you know, let's say trading domains at that time mostly consisted of domains which were expiring and then coming to market. And then you had these different tiers of players. So you have these guys like uh, my friend Harold Whiting, who was, you know, a drop catcher. So he was, you know, created this uh, the software to, you know, ping the registries, you know, relentlessly so that the moment one of these domains expired, it got automatically registered. And then he would then sell it. Uh, you know, he had tiers. I, you know, I, I don't know what they were exactly, but it, but it was something like, you know, three tiers of quality. Tier one, you paid 500 bucks flat fee, regardless of what the domain was. Tier two was a thousand bucks. Tier, you know, tier three was uh, 5,000 bucks, right? And it was like, but, you know, for 5,000 bucks, you were getting domains like, you know, home.com, like killer, killer names, right? And so, you know, and then you had the guys that sort of knew how that system worked, who would then arbitrage it. And then you had, you know, the guys that just had a lot of money, understood these things were worth money, but they didn't want to spend their day trying to arbitrage this system. And so they were ultimately like, let's say the third rung where, where you know, some guy took his flat fee. Next guy sort of played the, the you know, the, the the margin and it ended up with the guy that was willing to just hold it for the next 10, 20 years. Right. And um, there wasn't a lot of interplay among collectors because, you know, there was some, but but not a lot. Then some of these marketplaces started to to come about, you know, and forums. And then with the forums then you started, you know, Rick Schwartz, uh, uh, the self-proclaimed domain king. Big respect to Rick. He's an amazing, uh, amazing foresight and amazing negotiator, uh, but has played the game very differently than 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 most others. But with a phenomenal outcome, he's he's certainly generated you know uh, over a hundred million dollars in, in 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 proceeds from domain sales and and passive income from parking. And um, um, he started a conference called Traffic, and I think that was the first time that people started coming together, you know, and and talking to one another. And saying, "Hey, how does this work?" And then suddenly you had monetization. You know, you could start monetizing through Yahoo and through Google. And suddenly these passive assets that you were holding, that were you know in some way a liability because it cost money to keep them, and they weren't generating any any cash flow. You know, it was more like a lottery ticket. Suddenly it became serious assets because you could now monetize the traffic. It was naturally going to the really good domains, and people click on these ads, and you earn money. And um, 
you know, uh, you could earn a lot of money. And I have friends that were earning, you know, tens of thousands of dollars every day, 100% passively. And so that was really the big tipping point for the industry. And once people started to understand that you could earn money from these things, private equity started coming in, you had people buying up portfolios, you know, and then it was like, there were sort of these glory years for like five years or so. And then in like 2000, between 08 and 2010, Google started saying, wait a minute, you know, instead of giving you 90% of the pie and we keep 10, we're going to keep 90, you take 10. And so the whole thing got flipped on its head. The revenue from parking went, you know, to the floor. And that's basically where we've been for the last, call it eight years, nine years, 10 years. And in the last two years, I'd say we're starting to see some comeback in the monetization path for, for these really premium domain names. But we're not back to where we were, you know, a decade ago. And so, um, you know, that's sort of been the life cycle, right? But as the monetization part of this passed, it also opened the door for, let's say, the fourth or fifth wave of domain investment, because now you had guys that were holding these things because of the cash flow. Now that cash flow was diminished. And so now they were ready to flip them to somebody else, you know, who wanted to come in and pick that you know, pick up that, that, that hot potato, you know, on the speculation that the, they could buy it for less than they could sell it for versus I'm buying this because of the, the cash flow value. Right. And so the profile of the average domain investor switched at that point. And, you know, that sort of brings us to today. And now we're seeing really serious consolidation of portfolios, registrars, monetization companies, you know, across the board, the whole industry is being consolidated. And, um, with that comes some benefits and with that comes some, you know, hurdles. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a ride. Yeah. So it sounds like if I understand correctly, there's really two sides to your business. There's the pure brokerage side, and then there's the synergy with the other side, which is your own book of domain name properties that you're sometimes selling, sometimes monetizing, sometimes trading. So if that's right. Yeah. Just to touch on that. So, so the brokerage side is pretty obvious, right? Like we're like, Christie's real estate, right? Where we're, we're, we're handling only, you know, high-end domain names, you know, we're doing buy-side uh, representation. We're doing sell-side so representation. What is high-end? Like, where does that, like, is that $10,000 or above in terms of- I, More big, like, in, more like a hundred thousand and up, you know, okay. we, we might mess around with some 50,000, $75,000 domains. Sometimes we'll do something smaller if we're working with a client who we're working on bigger domains for, but for the most part, we're really looking for a hundred thousand dollars and up. And typically the client for that would be a startup, somebody with a big brand. Yeah, I would say the the, the vast majority of it is venture-backed startups. Okay. Um, but then again, you know, there's also large corporations who are, you know, launching a new brand, a new product, a new service, et cetera. Got it. Okay. So 100,000 100, or above, they, they contact you and they say, I want to buy this. I want to buy this domain name. And then what, what happens next? And uh, so then, you know, if, if we're representing a buyer, then there's different scenarios. Sometimes they come in specifically, help us buy this domain. Okay. Sometimes they come in saying, can you help us find a name, right? Uh, uh, where it used to be that you come up with a name and then you, you know, go backward, you know, go find it, find out if you can get the domain, negotiate the, you know, most companies have realized now that, you know, if you can't get your .com, you probably should change your name. And so they're starting with, um, you know, finding the right domain name first and then building the brand around that second. 
And so, uh, you know, whatever process we go through there will help them understand value, will help them understand the options, will help them understand the transaction lifecycle, timeframes, fees, all of that stuff, how to securely complete the transaction. And then, you know, obviously we engage with the domain owner, which is usually the hardest part. A lot of this comes down to uh, because of GDPR, the, the European privacy laws, domain name owners are now obfuscated. There is no more public who is that you can go look and find who the domain owner is. And so um, we use special tools that we've created over the years to be able to sort of get behind that um, and understand who the domain owners are. We have, you know, we track certain patterns from name servers, registrars, you know, landing pages, there's all kinds of attributes that we sort of utilize in order to understand who likely owns these domains. Because at the end of the day, you know, the vast majority of the domain names that are, let's say, parked, not in use, the vast majority of them are owned by a small subset of of, of owners. Um, you know, I, I would say there's maybe three to 500 domain owners in the world that own 80% of all the most valuable domain names that are still not in corporate hands. Fascinating. And, you know, and so the benefit of working with somebody like us is that we have a relationship with every single one of those. Right. Yeah. And so you can't bullshit a bullshitter. So, <laughs> so. So if, if like, for example, if there's a $30,000 domain name, which is too small for a brokerage like yourselves to get involved in. We actually will get involved with a $2,000 transaction. We just did right. one today. We just did a $2,000 transaction. Oh, okay. Our fees at thousand dollars, right? Uh, yeah. Minimum, <laughs> you know, ten percent or a thousand dollars, whichever's more, and that's worth it to many people, right? Just because they can't get a hold of the person, whatever. It's on the outbound side that we have this threshold of more or less a hundred thousand right. dollars, right? But on the on the acquisition side, if you want to hire us to acquire a domain, we don't we don't have any minimums. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the old days, when you could go on the use the Who Is tool and you could see who owns it and track them down pretty easily. That made it easier for folks outside of the broker space, mm-hmm. like myself or whoever to track down yeah. an owner. Now, now it sounds like it's made your business better, right? Because it, it has, it, you know, it's made it more difficult in some ways. It's made it better in terms of volume uh, in other ways. You know, I would argue that it, certainly it's had a positive impact, but I would argue that even at a time, even if today GDP, uh, GDPR didn't exist, you could easily go to the public who is and identify who the domain owner was. Again, so few people understand what is a domain worth. They don't know, is this fair market value? Is it way off? You know, there, there's a few different considerations. It's like one thing is what's your budget, but another thing is what is the domain actually worth? And so, you know, helping people work out some of that stuff and then in particular, helping them to actually complete the transaction safely and securely without fraud and, and any of the potential pitfalls that adds a lot of value. And then lastly, is just like, you know, we know how to negotiate these things. This is all we do all day, every day. Right. And so it's crazy to me, but I still get emails almost every day from people saying, uh, you know, I'm a college student and I'm doing this pr- project and I'd like to buy, you know, Pegasus.com from you. And it's like, you know, you know, would you accept a hundred dollars? And it's like, Come on, you know, <laughs> and so you're never going to get it. You're not even going to get a reply from somebody that's serious. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so um, I think, you know, just getting a response, you know, getting an accurate price, you know, cutting through the bullshit, safety, security, you know, efficiency, all of these things are, you know, I think that we more than make up our value, you know, by getting involved. So in terms of 
one of the things I've noticed that's just fascinating about the valuation of domains is, uh, you know, I bought, I've never bought a domain more than a few thousand dollars. So <laughs> that should tell you where I play in the industry. I think 7,500 is the most I ever paid for one and it wasn't my money. So, um, <laughs> but it's fascinating how, like how quickly they'll go from 30,000 to 3000 to 300 and you make a deal uh, in terms of, you know, the seller kind of looking at your willingness to pay for a premium domain. Um, and I guess that's where somebody that's a, a broker who really is seeing the market can make a huge difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, again, one is that nobody knows, nobody, very few people know how to value them. And so whether somebody tells you $300, $3,000 or $30,000 or $300,000, you don't know the vast, the vast majority of people they look at the go. I, I don't know. Yeah, three hundred thousand feels rich. Three hundred feels low and cheap. Somewhere in the middle feels right. I, is that three hundred? Is that thirty thousand? Is that three thousand? You know. And as you said, we help get through. You know, cut through that. But but an important factor is also like the guy that owns the domain also probably doesn't know what it's worth. Right. That's just the truth. And so like. You know, they're just taking, they're throwing spaghetti against the wall and trying to see what sticks. And so it's like, you know, 3,000 or 330,000 is fairly ambiguous for the vast majority of domain owners. They're really, they don't know because it's not a liquid market. And because it's not a liquid market, there's, you can't just go ping the, the exchange and say, what's my domain worth today? Right. There's no liquid buyer out there ready to buy it at the drop of a hat. And therefore, there's no market price. And so you have to figure out what, how do you measure these things objectively? And so that's actually been sort of our secret sauce is we came up with a methodology, which the industry has proclaimed as the Rosner equation. And this methodology was the first objective way to assess the value of a domain. Now, I would tell you that most domains don't sell for their objective value. They sell for the subjective value. Okay. But the objective value at least gives you an anchoring point, either in negotiation or in your understanding or in assessing what is fair market. And so objective value is a very, very, very important um, principle. And it basically is a measure of use in commerce and use in culture of whatever is to the left of the dot. Got it. So then, so what... Uh... Could you double click on that? Like what factors go into, so this is your appraisal process basically in terms yeah, of the equation. Yeah. What, what all, what all kind of factors go into that? Okay. So this could be like an entire podcast in and of itself. <laughs> um, if anybody wants to like really drill down into this, we actually do have our own podcast. It's domainsherpa.com. There are probably three or four videos that are dedicated purely to this. And they're probably two to three hours long. So you can go have a blast. But just at a high level, back of the napkin, we can look at like like three or four factors, and that'll get you seventy or eighty percent of the way there. And it gives you a good, just sort of like I said, back of the napkin. Somebody says, "Hey, you want to buy this domain?" You're sitting at a bar, and they're like, "Well, that kind of sounds like a good deal." Here's kind of some quick, rough numbers you can look at. So again, we're trying to measure use in commerce and use in culture, and the way that we do that is we look at Exact Match Google Search. And we look at exact match YouTube search and we look at the number of hashtags and we look at, you know, the number of crunch based profiles with that keyword or acronym. We look at the number of uh, LinkedIn profiles with that username or acronym. We're looking at all of your typical sort of social media search 
and content platforms. And we're trying to assess how often is this keyword or acronym being used. We're then looking at the competition factors. And the best way to look at that is your cost per click that advertisers are paying to Google or YouTube or PayPal, uh, Facebook or whatever, right? And so real quick version is say, you know, I don't know, let's uh, give me a keyword. Uh, Apple. <laughs> That's not fair. Terrible uh, keyword. Give me an evergreen. Keyword. Evergreen. Evergreen. All right. Good one. So, so we come over here and, you know, you can use SEM rush. You can use Ahrefs, you know, use one of these SEO tools to assess some of these, some of these factors. Right. And so, um, I use the Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S.com, the keyword explorer. And if I, uh, type in evergreen as all one word, you have 89,000 searches per month in the United States for the word evergreen. You have 393,000 searches per month uh, for evergreen worldwide. Number one is USA, followed by United Kingdom. You know, some of these countries I would generally discount. So Indonesia, Vietnam, I, you know, that's not going to be our target market in most cases. And so I'd be discounting those, but you know, France, maybe Italy, yes, UK, you know, US, et cetera. So uh, keyword difficulty, super hard, 78, high competition, uh, very strong search volume, and advertisers are paying Google $2 a click on average, okay? So let's say 89,000 people a month are searching for the keyword evergreen. And let's say that, you know, I want to try and compete with the people who are organically ranking already for evergreen. And so I'm going to come in and I'm going to come, I want to, you know, buy that traffic from Google. So um, let's say I'm only targeting, you know, the U.S. for now, okay, not global. And and depends on your niche, depends on the the keywords, depends on a lot of different factors uh, when you're making this assessment of the value. Generally speaking, though, I would say that, you know, a dot-com domain name has a global audience. And so you should be looking at the global search volume because even if that search volume doesn't apply to your business, it does apply to somebody's. And that somebody is going to be competing against you for this domain. And if they value it higher than you, then they're going to be willing to pay a higher price than you, right? And so that goes into the value. You know, uh, let's use the global. It's four, call it 400,000 for round numbers, $2 a click. So 400,000 people a month search Google. If you buy that traffic, meaning if you pay Google to be, you know, the little sponsored um, listing at the top of the page, you can on average expect to get around 18 to 25% of that, um, of that traffic. Could be a little less, could be a little higher, but... I like to use 20% as just a nice round number that's probably about right, okay? And um, we say uh, 400,000 people a month searching. You're going to get 20% of that traffic. That's 80,000 people a month that are going to click, okay? 80,000 people a month to click, that's $160,000 a month that you're going to spend with Google to buy that traffic. Your conversion rate on that traffic is going to be, call it roughly 2% on average. So 2%, you know, you're talking about, uh, uh, what is that? 2000, uh, people, 3,200, 3,200 people, um, uh, a month that will convert. So you'll get hundred sixty. you know, from 400,000 people searching, you'll get 160,000 from those 3,200 will convert. Okay. Um, 3,200 conversions for the keyword evergreen. And then you got to do the math on your side. What does that mean? Right. But the point of owning evergreen.com is that according to several studies, 
the best of which was was a Microsoft study uh, done in roughly 2011, which basically says that brands that use terms that are an exact match of what people are searching for, basically you're matching the brand to the intent or brands that are a household name or perceived, that's the key word, perceived to be a household name will, I believe it's cut your uh, cost of customer. Well, what it'll do is double your conversion rate. So from 2%, you go to 4%. Okay. So what that does when you double your conversion rate is in effect, you're decreasing your cost of customer acquisition by half. And so if you take that savings, that, that decrease in cost of customer acquisition by marketing a brand, which is perceived to be a household name, because it's a one word.com that everybody feels familiar with, comfortable with trust. Trust is ultimately the currency of the internet. And so if you um, have a brand that people perceive as trustable, you will increase your conversion rates. It's that simple. And so, you know, obviously that factor is going to vary depending on industry, depending on a lot of things. You know, I always say, like, if you're in the cabinets industry, 99.9% of households couldn't tell you a brand of cabinets, right? They're just, they, they do a Google search, they're looking for cabinets. And if you're cabinets.com, you've got a good chance of being clicked on. If you're searching for um, mobile phones, you know, it doesn't quite work like that, right? The people have an attachment and a familiarity with, you know, Samsung, Google, Apple, having, you know, mobilephones.com is going to have less relevance in a keyword search for mobile phones than it would in the keyword search from cabinets, if you, if you get my drift. Yep. But on average, again, high level, you're going to roughly cut your cost of customer acquisition in half. Now, extrapolate that out using a reasonable business multiple. If you're going to go out and buy a business, you're typically going to pay, let's say, anywhere from at the very low end, two times EBITDA, at the high end, could be 20 times EBITDA. But Let's just say, you know, roughly, I don't know, five times EBITDA. So we had 2%. So you had 3,200. It cost, it cost $160,000 to get 3,200 customers. What if it could get, what if you could get the same 3,200 customers for $80,000, right? Cut your cost of customer acquisition in half. Now take that $80,000 in savings and extrapolate that out by your reasonable business multiple that I leave to you to decide what that is for your industry, et cetera. And if we're going to use a, a multiple of five, it's $80,000 a month times 12, call it a hundred grand. Okay. Uh, call it a million bucks, right? Million bucks a year uh, in savings. Extrapolate that out by five-year business multiple. You arrive at $5 million. Now, hmm. these are very rough numbers. Somebody in the comments will probably say, well, you did the math. I'm just trying to give you a sort of, you know, back the math, right. right? But we arrive at roughly value of $5 million. And I would tell you that's about right. Evergreen.com, that's about right. Yeah, it's fascinating. So it, it it's you're backing into basically the same type of stuff that a real estate broker does, right? Like how do we, our real estate appraiser, like how do I... How do I see the future cash flows of this potential thing and then mm -hmm. turn that into a market value? So mm -hmm. how often do do comps play into that? So comparables in terms of transactions? Uh, unfortunately, like they play a factor too often. So, yeah. so I'm a very loud voice in my industry and I'm hated for this because everybody wants to talk about comps because it's so easy to say, well, voice.com sold for $30 million. It's uh, five letters and my domain is five letters. And so, well, my domain must be $30 million. No, it doesn't work like that. Do you own voice.com? No? Great. Then start from zero. So I believe that with very little exceptions, there are exceptions. 
particularly when you get into the exact match keyword type stuff where you're not looking for a brand, you're looking, you know, can I compare lifeinsurance.com to carinsurance.com? Not on face value, but what you can do is break down, okay, lifeinsurance.com sold for whatever, let's make up a number, $10 million. Lifeinsurance.com sold for $10 million. What does that mean for carinsurance.com? Well, let's take, let's, let's get a ratio of amount of uh, search, exact match search per month. And in ratio with the cost per click that advertisers are paying, and then take that ratio, do the same thing with car insurance, compare those two ratios. And then based on that, um, let's say lowest common denominator, you can then make a comparison and extrapolate it out based on the amount of search for the other one. But you can't just say car insurance, life insurance, eh, one letter difference, roughly the same value. Okay, it doesn't work like that. Right. It's really driven by search and cost per click. Yeah. And you know, that's just what it comes out to. Right. Yeah. Lifeinsurance.com, fastinsurance.com. Same amount of letters, both great brands, night and day in terms of value. Yeah. Totally cool. So okay, so just to finish out the brokerage side of your business. So the uh, the search side, you you charge a retainer and a percentage of the eventual purchase, or how how does that get structured in terms of you having a business? Yeah, we used to do a retainer. You know, it, honestly, it just gets too complicated, and more than anything, it just slows down the the, the cycle. Um, right. and, and I just I'm not a patient person, <laughs> so um, we we actually did away with the retainer, and um, we're just more selective with with who we work with and, and what projects we take on, but. Uh, it's just a straight percentage of the uh, sale price on the outbound sales side. We charge fifteen percent. Um, sometimes in larger deals or in deals where you know they're looking for a fast sale and they've priced it very aggressively, which makes our job easier, we'll reduce our fee. But for the most part, it's fifteen percent. And then on the acquisition side, it's ten percent. And um, we've got a minimum fee of a thousand dollars. But outside of that. There's really no, you know, restrictions on the outbound side. As we said, we're really only looking for big names. Yeah, I hear you. And then, in terms of your your company, it's you and and how many other people are are in it? Yeah. So uh, today uh, we're seven people, and seven or eight, and um, yeah, and we're totally distributed. We don't have any central office. I've never had an office. You know, and this whole COVID thing happened and everybody's like, you know, oh, work from home and oh, these big ships and all the other. And I was like, eh, business as usual. Yeah. So, yeah, we didn't really skip a beat. So what, one thing is always I've been curious about with the domain business, by default, it's been buy, sell, right? It's like you, it, everybody's owner occupied. You know, is there any hope? We've been trying if, to change that. Yeah. Is there yeah. any hope of somebody coming to me and being like, "Hey, I want to and I want to rent Girdley and I sign a ten year lease with them"? Or how is that? Are you doing that with your portfolio? How, how's that going? Yeah. So, so, so my my friends over at Venture you know, they've got an amazing portfolio of domain names, and their model is only leasing. Right. Um, if you want them to sell a name, it's re- you know you're going to really have to uh, dig deep in your pockets. But they are very affordable if you want to just do a lease. Now, I um, am envious of that model, but I don't necessarily believe that that's a sustainable model or at least a scalable model because I think that most of these businesses they require a path to ownership, even if they don't need to be able to execute that ownership in a short period of time. They need to know and their investors need to know and their shareholders need to know that at some point in the future, if they do become the next you know, Uber, Google, Facebook, Tesla, whatever, that they can acquire that name. 
that they'll never be held over the coals into some, you know, some undue circumstances over that domain name because they didn't have a, a, you know, a path to ownership with a fixed price. And so the model that we promote and the model that we try to utilize in our owned and operated portfolio is a lease with an option to buy. And so usually, you know, it's a, a small deposit upfront, which buys you the, the, the purchase option. Okay. A call, basically a call option on the domain. Um, typically it's five years. Typically that looks like somewhere between five and 10% of, of what that call option is. Let's say it's a $500,000 domain. You show up, you say, look, I want to buy Pegasus.com. That one would be quite a bit more. It'd be more like, you know, two and a half million. But um, so let's say it's two and a half million dollars. All right. So I say, all right, well, look, I'll do the deal with you. Give me, um, you know, give me a hundred thousand dollars down. That'll buy you a call option on the domain. And you can exercise that call option at any time over the next five years for two and a half million dollars. Okay. And then in parallel, we're doing a lease agreement, which allows you to immediately start using the domain. And so that lease agreement is typically going to be somewhere between a half a point and two points per month, depending on you know the value of the name. The higher the value, the lower that percentage is typically going to be. And so again, if we come back to that Pegasus, Peg, Pegasus example. Is that one of your domains, by the way? I'm just... Yeah, it is. It's, okay. it's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorites. It's, it's is just, that your best? Is that your best one, or do you have? No, no, it's not. But it, but it, but it's it's just it's one of my favorites. I really love the the, the Pegasus.com domain name. I love the brand of Pegasus. I, I love what Pegasus represents. Yeah. And um, what is your best um, one? If you if you don't mind me asking. I mean, just in terms of pure liquidity, probably em.com. Oh wow. Or um, well, clear.com. Clear.com is probably the most valuable. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I assume clear the, oh, and it all, you have them redirect to your Twitter page. <laughs> That's great. Um, oh, here. So, okay. And then clear actually just goes to mediaoptions.com. Yeah. So clear is one of the brands that we actually utilize. So clear is a white glove domain acquisition service, you know, where we do go a lot more in depth in providing you sort of, you know, real, like, like a nine page evaluation of the domain, uh, trademark search, you know, the whole, the whole gambit. Yeah. You know, our COO is, a, is an intellectual property attorney. And so we, we were able to provide, you know, a lot of um, additional value added services. So that clear and Pegasus, those seem like domains that for this lease to own model or just a, a straight lease Ideal. model. Yeah. So what's, what has pre- prevented the, you from monetizing those? I mean, that feels like millions of dollars of unlocked value. If you told me, if you told me clear was multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars, I'd be like, okay, I believe that. Like what? Yeah. What, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, clear.com, you know, we're looking for uh, nine figures for that domain. And so, you know, you asked me what, what's prevented me from monetizing them myself. Um, <laughs> Wait, nine <laughs> figures is a hundred million dollars or more, right? I sorry, eight figures, eight, eight figures, figures not the ten million figures. or more. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. although yeah. you know, if they wait long, if they wait another five years, it probably will be nine figures. Um, <laughs> it's like um, nine figures. You'll own most of Portugal at that rate. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be shocked. <laughs> uh, you know, just sort of finishing out that example, though. You know, it, 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 let's call it you know half a point uh, per month is. Um, you know, I don't know, what is it? What is that? 10 grand, 12 grand, something like that. Let's call it 12 grand a month. So they're going to pay, you know, $100,000 down that buys them a call option for five years. Then they enter into a five-year lease agreement. They're paying 12 grand a month. It's the cost of the marketing guy in your office, right? It's like for a hundred grand, 150 grand a year, 
you know, and, and the company that's going to buy a name like Pegasus.com, this isn't, you know, a little two, two man shop in his mom's garage, right? This is going to be a serious business. And so, you know, 100, 150 grand a year is nothing to have full utility of that domain name, be able to go out and raise capital while using that domain name, build your customer base, build trust in the marketplace, build your brand, build your reputation, not having to pivot to a better brand later after you gain success, being able to start out on the same, on this brand from day one, putting that wind in your sales. There are so many intangible, but very material benefits from owning your exact brand match.com. Um, it's difficult to even explain. So, you know, now you've got five years to sort of ramp up your business. I like to tell people domain pays for itself. And at any point in that five-year period, you can stop the lease, execute your option and you own the domain. And so I think that that's the right model. That's the model that I promote. That's the model that we try to exercise in our portfolio. And, um, and, and we've done it very successfully. We we've done deals, you know, with Vita.com. Um, you know, is a, is a very successful um, healthcare startup in, I guess, no longer even a startup in the United States. They're crushing. We've done that with beacon.com, which is a logistics startup, you know, backed by Bezos, backed by Eric Schmidt, backed by, um, you know, some really heavy hitters. We've done that with, um, I, I don't know, you know, uh, whiff.com, which is a sort of white label fragrance direct to consumer platform. You know, we've done this with 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 a number of of our properties, and and it's gone extremely well for all parties involved. And so, I you know, I, I think it's just a matter of time where this becomes like more mainstream. I think that people have it in their minds; they have an inherent distrust of the domain market to begin with. They don't like negotiating for domain names. I don't blame them, right? Everybody just wants to sort of get on with their business, and they don't. It's just not intuitive to them necessarily. To say, oh, let me lease this thing. What? Why? Why? For, I don't understand why any startup in the world would say, yeah, let me lay out all this cash up front. Now, you have a lot of domainers who are, you know, weak handed. You know, they don't necessarily have a lot of capital behind them, and they are looking for a cash buyer, right? I don't want a cash buyer. I rather get the cash flow. I, I, I don't even want to sell my domains. I, I, I want to lease them. And so, go start your business. Use the domain. Give me some money to make sure you got skin in the game. Pay me a little cash flow. Keep it. I'm not greedy. I just, I want you to, it's in my best interest that you've got a business that's sustainable. And if you turn into, you know, a huge success, paying me the price I need is a fart in the wind, right? And so I I think it's a win-win for everybody. And, um, you know, for that reason, I, I, I do believe that will be the model in the future, but it's not today. Yeah, super fascinating. Well, now we're, I know we're running up on a hard stop here. I have a couple more things I definitely want to hit on. Um, That's right. In, in terms of the in terms of the Chinese domain situation, I'm curious to get your take on it. I know they love domain names with numbers in them, like eights and stuff like that. Like, what's your perspective on the Chinese domain situation and kind of where it's headed? Yeah, I won't. I will not in any way say that I'm an expert on this subject. There are a few people in the industry, uh, my friend George Hong uh, from Guta, G-U-T-A.com. He is uh, you know, certainly an absolute expert on Chinese domain names. But I have sold tens of millions of dollars in domain names to China, and, and I do have quite a bit of experience in the market. And so my observation is that there's this very unintuitive system um, or culture around numbers to people in the West. 
And, you know, each number is a symbol. Each The pronunciation of a particular number can be sort of have a, a, a pinyin equivalent pronunciation of a word or a phrase or a meaning. And so they use these numbers in order to identify words or stories or phrases. And so, you know, you can have, I don't know, uh, uh, 163.com. I think, you know, means like long, live long and prosper or something like, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I could be completely making that up, but it's something like that. Right. And so these two number.coms in particular are, are basically priceless. They almost never change hands. I've sold, I think three of them. We sold 50.com. We sold 11.com and we sold, um, I don't remember what the other one was, something with a four in it. And, and, you know, then these three number.coms are, you know, again, super liquid, super valuable prices start at a few hundred thousand dollars, $200,000 for any three number combination Four number.coms drop down by about an order of magnitude prices start at about 20 grand and they can go up to, you know, half a million dollars. And then, you know, in 2014, 15, there was this massive wave of investment out of China purely speculative. I've never in my life witnessed anything like it. The closest thing I could equivalent it to is like, you know, GameStop. It was like suddenly this mass frenzy of speculation on numeric domains. And somebody realized, okay, basically there were no six number.coms registered. And the five number.com market had gotten to a point where basically any five number.com had a minimum value of like a thousand or two thousand dollars. And so somebody said, well, then why, you know, probably the next market will be six number.com. And the moment that frenzy started, it just, you know, it, it turns into like a, a, a feeding frenzy. And so it was like one guy started registering 5,000 domain names. And so, you know, domain names are kind of like a blockchain in that you can see in real time as this stuff is happening. Somebody noticed that all these numeric domains, six number.coms were being registered. If you do the math, there's a lot of six number.coms. <laughs> so, uh, you know, six to the sixth power, right? I, whatever that is. And so it's a, it's a big number. And so, you know, I remember my buddy called me up and he said, listen, there is a run on six number.coms. Yesterday, half of the entire, you know, spectrum of six number.coms got registered. The Chinese are buying them. You just need to avoid anything that's got a zero and a four, right? Four is like death and zero is, you know, bad luck or something. And so you don't want anything with a four or a zero. Sevens aren't ideal, but if it's multiple sevens in a row, that could be good. And I was like, all right, uh, whatever. And so I was kind of like blowing it off. And he's like, no, 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 no I'm telling you, just, just buy some. I got the credit card, went to GoDaddy, ran a spreadsheet with all the six number dot coms. You know, I could do like a thousand out of whack started running this program to start registering these things. I registered like 10,000 of them, right? And it was like, you know, that was like a lot of money. It was like eight bucks a pop, you know, it was like 80 grand. And I was like, all right, this guy's crazy, but it's somebody I've done millions of dollars of business with. He's really smart. And, you know, he usually, he has a good nose for finding the money. And so I said, all right, I'm going to give this thing a try. And, you know, within like two days, every single six number.com was gone. And so suddenly the floor price went from registration fee to $15. And I thought, that's interesting. I could literally flip the whole portfolio and double my money in a course of like 72 hours. But it wasn't really scalable because all this was happening like in forums and stuff, right? And there was nobody saying, I'll buy 10,000 of these, right? And so then they started showing up at some of the auction marketplaces. And I thought, okay, now we're talking, okay? And now what's interesting is that it was only the best ones because 
the auction uh, Namejet uh, was the, the auction that was really hot at the time. And Namejet had a minimum order of $69. So your domain couldn't sell for anything less than $69. And so only the best ones, you know, things that had triple eights in them, things that were, you know, repeating numbers or whatever, they started showing up on there and they were selling for $69. And those people just like me had registered them, you know, a week or two earlier at that point uh, for $8 or $9. And I thought, this is very interesting. And so as the days went by, and it was literally day by day, the market developed and suddenly lower quality started showing up and they started selling. And I thought, okay, so I started selling, you know, listing all of these things. And I'm telling you, by the end of the time, by the time we got to the end of the list, any of my six number.coms were selling for between $200 and $1,000. And it was the most mind bending thing I've ever seen. You know, I mean, we made so much money and it was just like no reason. And then from one day to the next, that whole frenzy lasted maybe six to eight months. And from one day to the next, it was like this tap went off and that was it. The speculation was gone. Your six number.coms were worthless again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, and they still are today for the most part. Uh, anyway, I, I just time check. I know you gotta, you gotta run yeah. and have a hard stop. So clearly you could go for hours. Uh, well, actually I got to run too. So um, okay. I think if it's all right with you, I'd love to wrap up and this has been yeah. super cool. It's fascinating to learn about this whole world and appreciate you spending the hour with me to really go into it. And how, how can, uh, listeners and folks, uh, support you follow along on your journey. I know you have a Twitter page and you have the business also. What, what is the, uh, kind of best way that people can, can watch what's going on? Yeah. So, so just really quickly, one last thought I wanted to leave you with was, you know, I, I think it's interesting that, you know, before we came on and started recording, I was talking to you a little bit about why you started the show. And, you know, it's this curiosity about people finding ways to make money in, in, in odd niches, odd industries that, that people aren't paying attention to or aware of. And what makes me, I, I love what I do. I, I truly believe I have friends, you know, that are billionaires. I have friends that are worth stupid amounts of money. They make more money than I do. I do very well, but I love my job. I wouldn't trade with anybody because I, I, we have this expression, all roads lead to domains. And it's, it's, it's the similar curiosity as you have with your show that I get to speak with people in every facet of life, every industry imaginable, because it all starts with a domain name. It doesn't matter if you're a pizza shop owner or if you're Google. You need a domain name. It all starts there. And so I, I just get to meet so many interesting people. And, um, and so, yeah, I think we have a, you know, a shared interest there. So, yeah, it's a quite appropriate industry, I think, for, for your show. But um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Andrew, uh, at Andrew Rosner, A-N-D-R-E-W-R-O-S-E-N-E-R, companiesmediaoptions.com, also on Twitter at Media Options. And as I mentioned earlier, we have a, a, a the industry leading uh, education platform slash podcast, and that is um, domainsherpa.com, also on Twitter at domainsherpa. Super cool. Well, thanks for being here, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, I know the listeners will get as much out of this as I did. So really good. I appreciate the invitation. <laughs> All right, dude. Talk to you soon. 